0: Everyone and welcome to the Not A Podcast podcast. Now, the Not A Podcast podcast host would like to say a big sorry to anyone who was expecting an episode last week. Um, I didn't really feel too mentally well last week. Um, I didn't really feel up to it, and I just knew that it would come across. So I wanted to kind of put my best foot forward and take a little break. So I thought that this week I would kind of talk about topics that I wanted to speak about and yeah i thought that would be pretty fun so first one i decided that um i filmed this episode already and um issues i couldn't i i couldn't so um i kind of thought i would talk about part one to three of jojo this episode and then part four to five next episode is that all right with you guys yeah that all right with you guys Thank you. Okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, episode part one of JoJo. um We follow Jonathan Joestar and his kind of. Uh, I would say that, because, okay, let me explain. So, JoJo was written by this guy called Hirokoshi Araki. I might be pronouncing the name wrong. Hirok- yeah, Hirokoshi Araki. He is a fantastic artist, let alone story writer. The way how he portrays the characters it is fantastic and he's he's like really well renowned in japan i know a lot of jojo fans outside of the uk i'm not living in the uk (laughs) outside of japan where did that come from but i'll be speaking about part one also if you can check out the artwork for like the manga artwork it is so crisp and it just captures it differently than the anime ever could. I might um, actually buy some of the manga because it's so it's so pretty. Wow. So, part one. We follow. Also, um, grab a drink, grab something to eat, and join me for the next half an hour to 45 minutes. Thank you. I forgot to say that. I think I did. At least, if I did. Um. Uh, so, part one we follow Jonathan Joestar. So we start the part off with a crash. Also the genre for each kind of part of Jojo changes. So part one and part two and part three. So part one is more like a gothic novel with like debauchery and crime and assault. Part two is very much like Indiana Jones, gotta save the world part three is very like globe trotting feel good like a road trip movie part four is very much like slice of life um home away from home kind of things only happens like in a little hometown part five gangsters italian mafioso gangsters part six is prison breakout. Fantastic. Part seven is part seven. It is like a cross country thing. I'm not too familiar with part seven and part eight because the manga anime isn't out and neither is the manga in an English translation. But I'm reading part six and mm, it is I'm on the edge of my seat. Let's just say that. But back to part one. (coughs) I'm going to get ready for this. So part one, we have Jonathan Joestar and you can see there's a crash that happened, and unfortunately, Jonathan's mother died in the car crash, and his father is laying there unconscious, so these thieves come along, trying to rob them hoes of everything they've got, but the father wakes up, George Joestar wakes up, and he's like, oh, goodness me, By George, thank you, you've 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 saved me unfortunate about my wife she's dead Mm -hmm. Mm mhm 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 unfortunate about my wife but um thank you and the guy's sort of like I didn't I literally came here to rob you but he's like oh thanks and he pulls out a letter George George Pajostar pulls out a letter and he's like here take this letter if you ever need anything, don't be a stranger. Thank you for saving my life. I think I just leave him there. And he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. So we're gonna do a little bit of a flash forward, just about 12, 11 to twelve years. So we see um the antagonist of the series, Dio Brando. He is in a pub. So things about Dio you should know is that he's incredibly smart, he's incredibly quick thinking, and he is. Dio Brando, he's, he's gangster, he's so gangster. So, um, there's a scene where you can kind of see his smarts. He plays chess, you know, Beth Harmon and things. And um, the guy basically says, Oh, if you win, I'll pay for your dinner because you're obviously a filthy gutter rat. And Dio's like, Oh my god, thanks, BB. So, he wins at chess, and the guy is sort of like, Nah, fuck that kid. And he, he kind of shoves his head in the beans and mash it is really something to behold it it really is something to behold so um Dio is obviously so angry he picks up a fork and I'm like what the fuck are you going to do with that fork 12 year old with your muscle mass nah I don't think so so he goes back to his father and his father's on his deathbed and Dio has always blamed his father because his father was abusive he always blamed his father for his mother's death and Dio's father is like I know you fucking hate me little gutter rat shit but here is a letter and you'll take it out of here. So Dio takes the letter and he's like, fuck you, Dad. Then he leaves his father on his deathbed and he goes to find the Joe Star family estate. The minute this man hops off the carriage, he kicks a dog in the face. hmm Mm-hmm. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it really is something because the dog did nothing to him. Like jonathan Joe Star, who is like the protagonist of this arc you could say No, I and mean, you could say period like he's the protagonist period so um he runs up and he's like dio 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 punts his flipping h- hound it is crazy like it's just a bit rude to you know even like a hi hello he just and he's like i hate dogs so then um jonathan tells his dad and his dad is like Maybe Dio's just scared of dogs. When you're scared of dogs, you probably just like run from them. You don't punt, you don't punt a schnauzer. Moving on, moving on swiftly. So um, Dio kind of comes to the house and he's like showing up, jo- uh, Jojo, Jonathan, Jonathan Joestar, Jojo. He kind of just is showing him up. And there's this is one scene where they're eating and Jonathan's just like shoveling down food because obviously motherfuckers is hungry. You want to get that stuff down your gullet quickly. And Dio's like, just there eating all prim and proper. And then Jonathan's father kind of goes, Jonathan, look at Dio, the filthy gutter rat eats better than you. Go to your room with no supper. Now, I never understood why people sent their children off to bed with no food like you're going to be hungry your tummy's going to be bare growling in the night time and you're not going to sleep I can't sleep on an empty stomach I can't sleep while I'm hungry and just do better parents, do better so that was happening and so I'm going to do a little bit of a flash forward actually no important character building right here Jonathan has this little girl his little ting on the side, called Irina and him and Reena, he's very chivalrous. Chival... Chival... He's very... Shiv- he's very chival- Chivalrous. He's chival- he's, shiv- he's chival... he's chival... Chivalrous. He's chivalrous. And, um... He doesn't kiss hers. And he doesn't even, like, you know, grab a... Grab a bunda or nothing. But, um, he's like, arena He, he carves their names to a tree. He's like, J plus E. He's like, JJ plus E. E, whatever Arena's surname is, it's really cute. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, trees are free. You put two and two together. So um, he kind of, it's just been really sweet to Arena. He just is, oh my god, he's so sweet. But then Dio comes along and he turns everyone against Jonathan. This one scene is actually kind of funny. So Jonathan is like spar. He, he used to, he likes to spar in town basically with his friends, and he was like the strongest person in his in the in the village. And then Dio comes along, and he's like, "Let me show the girls how it's done." So he's like beating the shit out of Jonathan, and Jonathan's like, "Bruh, that we live in the same house. What the fuck was that about?" so that's all fine and dandy, you know, a little bit of physical assault, so, um, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit in the timeline, so, Dio turns everyone against Jonathan, and Jonathan is very much like, what the fuck, Uh, there's this one scene, Uh, there's always this one scene, there are always scenes, because they're just so stupid, oh, I just hit my hand, sorry, they're all so stupid, so, um, jonathan is like to his friends he's like hi best buddies mcm's hello and they're like jonathan snitch jonathan's a snitch and jonathan's like what did i do and they're like jonathan he's like what did i do if you're bad tell me what i did none of them are bad so they just run off laughing and turns out um nothing happened Jonathan didn't snitch on anyone, I don't like snitches, but I like Jonathan and he's not a snitch, so, you know, suck your mum, Dio, or suck your dad, suck suck someone, just just suck someone, so, this is, uh, you kind of see, like, backstory, with Jon- it's not a backstory, it's just, like, what's happening at the time, so, Irina is, like, walking home on her ones. she's thinking about Jonathan, she's like, where's Jonathan, I miss Jonathan, And then um, Dio kind of goes, where's your Jonathan now? Does he kiss you like this? And he's like, has Jonathan kissed you? And she's like, no, we're waiting until marriage. And he's like, well, I'm going to show you how real men do it. And he just assaults her. He harasses her. He just, without her consent, he just kisses her. And she's so uncomfortable. She just cries. And everyone's like, Jonathan, your girlfriend cheated on you It wasn't cheating It was assault Clear and Blatant assault So, um There's actually a fast forward here To like 12 years later And Jonathan and Dio Look like the best of buddies They're not Plot twist I thought they were besties I was like, oh my god They got over their differences And their different strokes I love redemption Nope 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 they still fucking hate each other so but jonathan now actually doesn't like dio but he still respects it they respect each other but they don't like each other so um dio is poisoning jonathan's father so jonathan's father is sick you know pussy all gets what pussy all gets sucks so jonathan's father is sick And Dio's been poisoning him because the butler is meant to go and give the guy the medicine, but Dio switches it with lead. Or like arsenic. he switches it with some kind of, could be cocaine, could be straight crack, but he switches it with something and it's just making the guy get way worse. So Jonathan kind of clocks on and he's like, I'm going to go find a cure for my father. I'm going to London. I'm going to be about three weeks because we only have horses. So, Fast forward again because nothing really happens. All you need to know is that in this time frame, Dio finds a stone mask that Jonathan's mother was keeping. He gets blood on it. It pops open, almost crushes his skull, but he turns to a vampire, and he now has vampire minions. So um, when Jonathan gets back, he tells the police. Which well, you know, nice one, you know, if someone's poisoning your dad. You gotta like tell someone. You know? So um just as they're about to like kill Dio he becomes immortal and he's like ha, 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 ha. you can't kill me I'm immortal you can't in fact kill Dio you can't that's the last part he actually is immortal he actually is so I'm um, gonna do a little bit of flash forward to when you find out about the power system of jojo for part one and part two which is harmon you know both harmon things so they learn harmon which is he punches a frog and one of the best moments i've ever witnessed so he punches a frog to kind of go this is harmon it's just manifesting life energy and he punches the frog separately punches a frog and he's like see how the frog is okay but the rock broke because rocks aren't alive so they learn that they use their harm on different like baddies like jack the ripper and other miscellaneous people till they meet dio they kind of battle it out with dio and they sever his head and you would you would think that would kill him no when dio said i'm immortal is genuinely immortal so this guy comes from nowhere picks up his head starts legging it so we're gonna fast forward again too because nothing really happens they kind of just live happily ever after also you think so Jonathan and Arena are together and they hear this that weird flipping banging and they're like talking to each other they're like I love you Jonathan I love you I'm so happy we're married Next, you blink. And now, Jonathan is in a burning ship, cradling Dio's head, while Arena surfs to America, with a baby girl in her hands, to America. In a coffin. Which is, you know, fine and dandy. You know, the coffin is insulated. Hashtag bombaclard. So, part two. I'm going to do this one really quickly, because... Mmm, schedule. Show. Show, show. show. We have Jonathan. Not Jonathan. Joseph Joestar, who was who a whore. Objectively, John, Joseph Joestar is a whore. And I will shame him for that. I'll shame him for that because his wife. No, I'm not even getting into it yet. So, Jonathan. Joseph. I keep getting them mixed up. So, Joseph Joestar he is an american we're in new york we're in queens brooklyn you know we're having a fun time and this vampire dude shows up out of nowhere and he's like i'm gonna kill you and jonathan's like question mark So his best friend, Smokey, who was a black person named Smokey. But Smokey is the first black president. So you say racism, I say horrible progression. I do. I really do. So they kind of go, end up on Brooklyn Bridge. Is it, is it Brooklyn Bridge? And the vampire guy is like, I'm not going to kill this reporter if you kill me. He kills him somehow other guys like oh since you're so cool to fight this might be wrong but he was like since he was so cool to fight 1738 um go defeat the people who made me so he goes to mexico to find the people who like are these vampires but meanwhile in italy someone has awoken the three gods which are like hiding underneath the vatican or something it's all a bit silly so they go to so he goes to mexico and he kind of fights he's fighting with the nazis bear in mind this is like world war ii era this is world war ii era yeah this is world war ii so the nazis just like Chilling in in Mexico, trying to find this person, and like not this person, but like trying to understand what this being is. It's like this guy. And he's learning things really quickly, like how to fight and language, and he's like, Let me out. And they're like, Sorry. Nazis are not the good guys. In this story, we are, so we're not gonna let you out. He gets out through the grate, and him and Joseph have this like fist fight. And then takes the nazi guy Stronheim, who's actually a sick character it's a shame he's a nazi big flipping shame so he defeats the the kind of like the gods foot, mes- foot messenger foot peddler i don't the the, the the butler of the gods essentially and he's enjoying it he's vibing so he goes to italy to learn harmon which is da- da- da, the power system of this anime for this season and the last one only. Harmon is never mentioned again after this part. So he goes to Italy. He enjoys it. There's Caesar. Caesar oh my god. Oh my god. So Caesar dies, just just uh, just to say that. Caesar dies. So they go to Italy, learn Harmon. Priest person this woman turns out to be Joseph's mum. They defeat the gods, and that is it. That's it. Defeats the gods. He marries his mother. He finds out that his mother is his mother, and he's like, Yikers. Loki milf though. That's your mum. So they all live kind of happily ever after, after Caesar has died. They defeat the gods. He defeated the god by um Cars cars yeah he defeated cars by um booting him into space and legend has it he is still in space to this day there we go that was jojo part one and part two i like jojo i do i really do it's one of my favorite animes but alas i will be speaking about that the part two part three and part four and part five, next episode show, show. If you like that, come again next week. But we will be talking about another topic that is near and dear to my heart: burnout. So um, I'm not sure how many people can relate, but in primary school, I was labelled like the gifted kid because I, I learned things quite quickly. I learnt cello quite quickly. No maths quite quickly i was quite good at english i was very like academically affluent in primary school and it all kind of stopped in high school because i realized i don't know how to process failure i was don't get me wrong i was still quite um what's the word i'm looking for academically proficient but when it came to maths i hated maths i can drive but i don't do maths so i just never liked it And whenever... Because from a young age, the littlest thing I would do, I'll be praised because that was just me, like, expressing my academic prowess. Now, whenever I do something, I'm not too good at it. It's like the world is coming in on me. Like, I'm horrible. If I don't learn this song within, like, three minutes, I'm horrible. If I can't do this... Not even, like, horrible, but it's like... I kind of base my self-worth, but, oh, we're getting a bit deep, aren't we? <laughs> but I base my self-worth on how quickly I can learn things. Which isn't very healthy, and I am have to see therapy maybe, like, in the future, but for now, I'm fine. We're just dealing with this. I'm very fine. But it's good to understand how you're feeling and your emotions. But burnout just sucks, because I, um... I usually start projects and I never finish them, which is an issue because there's so much that I would like to do and I have to kind of learn self-discipline to kind of achieve them. Which is fine because we all kind of need self-discipline in our lives anyway. But I think it's the fact that I never had to like, um, trust my own beliefs, I just trusted that someone else would kind of go, oh yeah, these were all right, or oh yeah, this, oh yeah, that. it's just going to have issues in the future and with burnout I feel like um I don't know if anyone else has the same kind of thoughts but any kids that do theatre that were quite good at um like academic subjects I feel like I'm wasting my potential I don't know if anyone else feels that but because I know that I could probably boss Oxford or boss Cambridge if I Like, actually put some work in. I never revised for tests. I never revised for maths because I hated it. I would probably go over, like, and try and learn equations. But I would never, like, make any effort to do maths revision because I hated maths. Science revision. Didn't like science either. I liked biology. Mm, me and biology were like... What's that thing you ended? Batty and Bench. Like, Batty and Bench. I love biology. I would have done history or, like, biology at university if I could, but no, I had to do theatre. And because of that, uh, because teachers have always been telling me, oh, you have the potential to go really far academically, that now I'm going into the arts, into theatre, I feel like I'm letting them down. And that is something that I think a lot of people that are quite good, because quite good at academics and theatre kind of have to learn how to balance. People have to just go past my window. Which is completely fine because nothing in life is easy. But I feel it's just such a first world problem though. But it kind of manifests in the weird ways because I will shoot myself in the foot when it comes to stuff. I will shoot myself in the foot. And also, like, um, it's just just something else, you know, that you have to kind of deal with. But I do feel like I'm letting a lot of people down. Like, my mum will be like, oh, you would have been such a great lawyer. I've never once expressed to be to be a lawyer. I watch Judge Judy with my mum like once a week. She's like, you could do that. I could do what? Be Judge Judy Shilin in the New York court? Of course I could. Come on, let's have some respect. But Judge Judy is actually a fantastic TV show. It's lovely. But back to the topic at hand. Burnout. I feel like I'm burning out but I don't at the exact same time. Maybe it's because we've been inside for the past year and it's really hard to kind of measure anything, especially if you're in that weird kind of limbo between end of college, start of university, like that kind of weird nothingness in between. I took a gap year and I feel like I'm in that, almost at the end of that near nothingness. It's just a bit crazy it's weird that we give young people so much responsibility and so much agency over their lives at such a young age because i'm pretty sure when we all turn maybe like 35 like tw- like 20 like late 20s early 30s we're not going to be like i'm so happy i did xyz at six four no we're probably all gonna ha- have minor career changes because that's just of living and growing you're growing all the way up until you like pass away you know there's no emotional growth after that really like every day you live you're learning something and something about you changes even if it's your belief system or who you are how you look like every day it changes so slightly and same thing with who you are as a person every day it changes so slightly i wasn't i'm not even though i'm me I still have the same memories as me from when I was nine who's like we're not the same person we've been through biological changes just so much you know and that's completely fine but with burnout I don't know I don't know if anyone else has like gone through that and kind of understands it or anyone who's doing like a not a liberal arts but a creative arts subject if they've ever kind of felt that that guilt of I'm doing this for me, but I feel like I should be pleasing my teachers. Our teachers aren't going to give a fuck if I go to Oxford. I, I don't like my teachers like that. What am I, I going to do? Go back to high school, and be like, oh my God, Mr. Bazinghi, I got into Oxford. He's going to be like, do you still believe in God? We had this whole talk in the attendant. I told him I don't really believe in God. I'm not too sure. And I saw him again and he said, Louise do you believe in god yet and i said no no could be a giant turtle closing that topic off i want to speak about music for a quick little hot second um this might be a bit of a downer so i'm very sorry very i i i do apologize uh so far but it is this band, and the band is called H E R apostrophe S H E R apostrophe S. Yeah, H E R apostrophe S. And they make such beautiful music. It is a Liverpoolian band of Stephen Fitzpatrick, and I can't remember the name of the second guy. And I feel so bad. I think he's from Norway. Um, what is his name? He is from. I'm just doing a quick little Google search can hear the tip tip tap. Um no sorry I'm on Google should have prepared this before but I completely forgot. Um Aiden Larding yeah so um it's Stephen Fitzpatrick and Auden Larding I don't want to get that wrong but they make such beautiful music the way I can kind of describe it is like kind of doo-wop dream pop not jazz not jazz but it's very like um 80s synths inspired very much like what I would expect them to play at like a prom like a like a even though in America they have those like homecoming proms I expect this one, well, like some of their music to kind of pop up this is they have this one song so um how I found them was I was, it's like 2018, and I was in I was in H&M with Nevada and Appraisal. And the song was playing and I was like, I love this beat, it was like, burn a cup, me up, Saturday night. And I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of, it's not like the beat, is so like doo-wop, like very 50s, but like heavy 80s synth inspired. So I shazammed it and it was called Love Online, Call Now. And I was researching this song yesterday and lo and behold, the song is about falling in love with a sex line operator and you're giving her all your money for reasons. And it's fantastic, it is fan and abby It's such a great narrative too. They have another song called Harvey. Absolutely, it's a banger of a song. It is about friendship. So we have one song about sex work and one song about friendship. See, in my head, I gave myself the narrative that Harvey was about, like, from this person. He was in love with, like, this popular guy. And he's, like, watching him and his girlfriend just, like, have a fun time. And he's, like, only I can... They, like, kind of make this whole, like, elaborate universe where them and the person are together, them and Harvey are together and they're like trying to tell themselves like i'm the only person for harvey no one's gonna understand what you mean to me it's not it's a song about a six foot three invisible rabbit i can admit when i'm wrong i really i really can't admit when i'm wrong but it's fantastic such a fantastic song and there's this other song they have called low beam that speaks about toxic male masculinity give it a listen (laughs) I listened to their um, album, Invitation To Hers. They also have an album called Invitation To Hers and like an EP called Songs From Hers. And they have this one song called Cool With You. Mm. It's a banger and the lead singer, Steven, his voice is like kind of low and gravelly, but it really like juxtaposes but also complements the kind of dream poppy background music i really recommend it if you do listen to hers or if you already listened to them or if you haven't listened to them go to spotify and boot up harvey or boot up love on the line it's such a feel-good summer song like their music reminds me of like um hanging out with your friends just like in a park and it's kind of getting to sunset and it's summertime so you know you can take t- take your time with your way back home and the sun's like going down and everything's kind of golden and you have your headphones in and you're looking over at your friends and that's that that's what their music kind of evokes for me like it's very summertime music in my opinion but all their songs can kind of be fitted into like a long summer day so like love on the line would be more like past afternoon like two o'clock in the in the afternoon where like cool with you would be like there's really warm summer nights where like you can't sleep and your windows are open and there's like this really warm breeze coming in but you're enjoying it you're enjoying your time and you're, like you're watching something and it's just it's a very cooling and refreshing song oh my god they're such a good band but um a big reason why i'm speaking about them is because i recently really gotten into their music again i listened to them a bit in like first year sixth form and like when i did ncs but <coughs> pardon me i did ncs and stuff but they unfortunately both passed uh, like a while ago and whenever i so I've been kind of look for some more content of them to kind of understand who they were as like music makers and see their vision with their stuff and they are such they're like such nice people and this is one video where they do this like live session oh my god they're such sweethearts and they're like bopping the lead singer is like bopping his head but he can tell he's so into the music and like Auden is like with his bass, they have like the guitars really high up on their chest. So they're like kind of you can't see it by reenacting it. They're kind of like tickling, <laughs> like tickling the guitar. It's so, ah, uh, it's so great. And they have like the beanies on and they're over, they look like um, Stephen. You can tell he's very influenced by Mac DeMarco in his um, Salad Days, Salad Days, um, Freaking Out the Neighborhood. That vibe, that's the vibe but like, I was watching it and I couldn't help but smile to know that they've touched so many people even after they've passed like, death is a very sad thing and it is horrible but they left something it hit my thumb they left something for people to kind of enjoy and listen to and meet friends and it's such beautiful they're such beautiful music they're so cohesive although I would say that they're album invitation to hers it does flow but it's like their their freshman album like it's not going to be the most cohesive thing ever but you could tell they had so much like potential and drive i don't know what's in the air in liverpool i don't know what's going on in liverpool aren't the arctic monkeys and the beatles or the beatles from liverpool don't know i think they are but, like, I don't know what's in the air at Liverpool, but it seems pretty cool up there. But, I re- like, I genuinely really recommend listening to their music. Like, this isn't from, like, a little, like, crazy stand. It's from, like, genuinely, if you want to listen to music and just have these wonderful colours being painted while you listen to it, I would say listen to Invitation from hers, by hers, and just enjoy it enjoy life for the moment because we're all inside it's all a pandemic you can literally close your eyes and think i have this one picture from when i think i was hanging out with king aru no it was king oh my god i don't know king do you remember that one day king where well, we all went to um bridges yeah um, and this is that day i'm speaking about um, sorry about that, but this is that one day. And um it was I remember looking around. I've never been to Bradges Hill before, but I remember looking around and I was like, oh my god, it feels like a different universe up here. And I remember I went up there with Keris. Hello Keris. It was beautiful up there. I, I loved it. I really miss summertime. I miss over I hate sweating my titties off, but I love summertime, but I recommend listening to hers they make such beautiful music that I'm pretty sure anyone would like if you kind of like Matt Demarco, dream pop indie pop yep fantastic now to wrap up this fantastic episode I feel quite happy oh I pulled my finger I feel very happy when I answer a question and then sign off this one is from Alexi, I think. So, hello, Alexi. Hello, ale, hail, bale. I'll be having a fantastic day. And um, What is a goal you have for the month? Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'll say one goal is to send off all my audition stuff and feel prepped and happy about that, but also um, work on myself a lot this month because um i kind of neglect myself in terms of like mental health and stuff and that's a big reason why i didn't film an episode last week i just didn't feel mentally up for it and um i like this podcast i like filming the episodes but i don't know why just last week i wasn't in the best headspace to film an episode but goal i have for this month is to meditate more understand myself and also learn more music when i get off this i am going to learn harvey learn the guitar riff the... it's fantastic but um yeah this is the end of the ball bo- oh. if you got this far i want to say this episode is going out on my birthday happy birthday me thank you me oh you shouldn't i want to get me some oh you shouldn't have you cheeky but i it's going up on my my 19th birthday this is my last day filming this this on the 5th of february this is my last day being 18 one of the worst times to be an 18 year old i think i can still get into pubs legally there's nothing else i can do that i couldn't do before but yeah it's my birthday when you would presumably be hearing this on the 6th of february but yeah um here's my gift to you. I don't have a pop. Bar- I have a party popper. Oh. It's a party popper. Well yeah, um thank you for listening to this episode. Um I hope we have a fantastic day whatever day you're listening to this or whenever you're listening to this or however you're listening to this, I hope I brought some joy into your life. I feel a lot better at the end of this. I don't know. Why. But um, thank you for listening to me ramble about Jojo, music, and also burnout and my mental health. So hopefully you'll be here for the next episode. I I really hope so. Um, Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Hugs and kisses. Goodbye. and Thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting. Thank you. Bye.